Alright, so uh, we're going to look tonight at personal evangelism. Now, when you look up evangelism in the dictionary, it says uh, the winning or revival of personal commitments to Christ. So we can say leading a lost sinner to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, as you see in the title, it's not just evangelism, though it's personal evangelism. And the reason I put it like that is because it's applicable to you and me. You know, as we think of the many different gifts that God has given we're all called to serve in one capacity or another in different ways. In Ephesians 4, it tells us that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers. And he tells us why. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we're all part of a ministry. And we all have a personal ministry. Now, the only way, there's all kinds of gifts there, and certainly everyone has one. But the one thing that we all have is we're all called to serve the Lord in giving out the gospel. That's our personal ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.4, and some of these we'll see more than once says, but as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who trieth our hearts. And then he tells us that to, and say to, there you go, that, uh, and I, He's not an apostle, and he's not even one that was selected as a, as a deacon. But he's a you and me. And he says, take heed. Tell him to take heed to his ministry, which he has received in the Lord, that he should fulfill it. Now, Paul says... All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a very plural word. The idea is it's all of us. One more verse about it. In Acts 20, 24, he says, But none of these things move me, 
neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, might finish that course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, Paul had a ministry, but we all have a ministry, and we all have a course, and we'll see at the end, I hope, that when he asks us to finish our course, it's a little different, but it's, it's the same call, but with a different field, and we'll see that. Our personalities are all different. They're varied, if you will. You know, some have greater or lesser comfort speaking to strangers anytime or standing in front of a group. Some men have been used mightily doing that very thing to reach the lost. You know, it was years gone by that tent revivals or the revival meetings were very popular. And one such person was D.L. Moody. He's a very interesting guy. And you read about him a little bit. On one day, one single day of his revival meetings... They had 130,000 people hear the gospel. And Moody, on his fame, and this is his quote, he said, I know perfectly well that wherever I go and preach, there are many better preachers already there. Better than I am. All that I can say about it is that The Lord is using me. He also said, I don't have it written down, but he said, if I had a hundred lives to live, my prayer is that I would use them all to serve Christ. Now, some more close to us you know, the fair evangelism uh, ministry that started several years ago, and many have been involved in it. But it's not, you know, everyone isn't comfortable in that scenario. But it doesn't take someone in fair evangelism. It doesn't take someone uh, who has perfected, in a sense, working with the survey. And though they've been very successful, that's not my point. My point is that everyone doesn't have to do everything the same. But what everyone is called to do is to be able and willing to give the gospel. That's our personal ministry. That's personal evangelism. Now, it's more difficult for some, especially in that, maybe in the fair ministry, witnessing to strangers. But I'll say this, it's probably more difficult to witness to family members 
or someone you're close with, whether they're co-workers. You know, no one wants to be alienated from someone that you spend a great deal of time with. You have to deal with repeatedly. But you know, especially thinking of family members or very close friends, by not giving them the gospel or not giving them the truths that they need, the expression is you could be loving them to hell because they can't hear the gospel message if you don't give them those words. There's even a picture, uh, it's not, it's a mental picture, but that I have about the end of a person's life, the end when the judgment comes and someone you were very close to looks at you and says, why didn't you tell me? Now, rely on the fact that God wants men to be saved more than you do and trust that he can give you the right words to speak and how to push, and this is touchy, all right, but how to push them to truly evaluate their beliefs but not push them to a point where there's bitterness toward the gospel message or they just don't want to talk to you anymore about it. You know, we're with people that we know well and we work most of our days of our lives and we have a focus has to be on them because the people that you come in contact with, they're not the people that I would come in contact with. That's your ministry. We should be focused on the outreach that you and I have in our daily lives. That's what makes it personal evangelism. He's called us to be witnesses. And you know, it's his will that all men would be saved. Now, another quote Moody used to say is, how many souls have you saved today? Now, we know, and so did he, that we don't save souls. Matter of fact, I'll get to that in a minute. But the idea is, how many people's lives have you impacted for Jesus Christ? How many people have you talked to about the Word of God? Now, there's two keys to success. You know, we can be soul winners because there's two really key things that God has done for us. First of all, the Holy Spirit empowers the work. We, we have very little to do with it. Other than willingly opening our mouths. And the second thing, oh, there's a verse we should look at. Turn in your Bibles to John 16. We're going to turn to a few verses tonight, all right. John 16, and look at verse 7. It 
says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and they see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Spirit empowers the work. Now, the second key is that, turn to First Peter one twenty-three. The word of God accomplishes the work. So first of all, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do it. And then secondly, it's the word of God that makes the difference. So in 1 Peter 1.23, he says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower there falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. In James one twenty one, you don't have to turn there, but he says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. It's not the strength of our arguments. It's not our logical approach that's the key to soul winning. We are merely channels. Now look at the difference between Paul and Apollos. Apollos was a gifted orator and Paul wasn't. And yet they both were able to give the gospel. They both were able to reach people for Jesus Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4. And look at verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 
that the excellency of the power would be of God and not of us. Earthen vessels. We have the treasure, the word of God. We hold it and we can handle it and we can give it out. We're just old clay pots. That's what he says. Earthen vessels. Nothing fancy about us. There's nothing fancy or special about any of us more than anyone else. The story of Gideon. He had a hundred men that were with him and they came outside of the camp. They surrounded him. They blew their trumpets and they had candles in a clay pot. But it wasn't until they broke the pot that the light shined forth. It didn't matter if you had, if you know truths of the Word of God and they're contained within you, until they shine forth, they don't have that, they don't have that value in reaching souls. Now, those pots had to be broken. And there was no real value in the pot until it was broken. Not to those outside. Not the way God could use that light. Because he used that light to confuse all of those men and they killed each other. How do we show forth the treasure that we have? I mean, are we broken for Christ? Are we committed to serving the Lord? Well, how are we broken in our lifetimes? Well, maybe we won't fit in in the coffee room. Or maybe in the locker room. Or maybe maybe no one wants to sit with us at the family reunion anymore. Well, we don't have to think about trying to compare that to the persecution of the early church. You know, we get a sideways glance, and that's enough. We've been given a great ministry. I'm repeating this, but... All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a great ministry that we have been given. We're privileged to be stewards of the word of God. First Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And see where he says, If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God, through it all, might be glorified. The ability that God gives. I 
2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully about my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We're stewards. One who is appointed or given something to supervise and or distribute. That's our work. So we'll be found good stewards or not. In Philippians, I'll turn there. Turn to Philippians 1 1. Says Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, bishops. And my whole point is the servants of Jesus Christ. Servants of Jesus Christ. And who are we? They're servants to the saints. I'll turn back a couple of pages to Ephesians 6, verse 6. Now, he's talking about being obedient to your masters, but the point is in six, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Our focus is to serve the Lord for Christ's sake. Turn back to Philippians and go to chapter 2, verse 5. Again, an attitude of servitude. Here he's talking, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, we need to follow Christ's example. We need to live a subservient life to fulfill the Father's will. But we need to operate with divine viewpoint, looking at the Word of God and being filled with the Spirit of God so that the way in which we operate is driven by what God would have us to do. I have a couple more verses on here, but it says, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is the obstacle to a Spirit-filled life? What is the obstacle to being a servant for God? The answer is sin. And the remedy is, we know, 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sin, we can move on. 
We have the provision of confession for that very reason. But it's not seen in a general sense, although that's true. Usually what causes us the most problem is rebellion. Lucifer, you can read those verses when I'm done. Why? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I, I, I. He says it many times. I'm important. I'm more important than God. And we say the very same thing. Oh, we don't say it out loud. But we say it by keeping ourselves occupied with the mundane things of life. Don't deceive. We shouldn't be deceived about that. He says in Galatians 5, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. Don't allow that our flesh to cause us to move off what God intended for us in this life. To move away from the ministry God has given us. Now you know it said spirituality is a work of God for his child. But service is a work of the child for his God. Now it can only be accomplished, and couldn't say this enough, only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. We already looked at The Spirit empowers the work. That's why we don't have to worry about giving the gospel. We don't have to, you know, study. Although, (laughs) I will say I don't have that Bible with me. But when I first got saved, and this can be true of everyone when they get saved, but I knew nothing. You know, I was a Catholic. I knew nothing about the Word of God. And so... I didn't even know how I got, I mean, I knew I was saved. I knew what God had done for me, but I didn't know what those verses were in the Bible. So I wrote them all down. I actually wrote them in my Bible. I, I wrote them in a notebook. I tried to memorize them. <laughs> I'd walk around memorizing verses when I was working with Oki. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't get enough of the Word of God, but I didn't know you would try to talk to someone and I didn't know where the verses were. So you have to write them down. I mean, no one starts by knowing everything. But anything that can be accomplished, this is the point, it, it, isn't, it isn't you anyway. If we allow the Spirit of God to direct us, we'll come up with the right thing. You know, for it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now let's think for a minute of fitting in. And let's look at Peter. 
Turn to uh, Matthew 26. And uh, I think I start in th- verse 31. Now, there's a lot more to the story, obviously. He says, And you shall all be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I not, never, I will never be offended. I will never be offended. And then the Lord tells him that before the night's over, he'll deny him three times. Now in John 13, I think I have it on the Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? And Jesus answered him and said, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for you. Now those are pretty strong statements. Both that Peter made. And the answer is, can you back them up? Well, the short answer is not in his flesh. See, emotional outbursts, running on emotion, having good intentions are worthless if we don't allow the Spirit of God to be able to fulfill his purpose through us. If we're operating in the flesh, we will be excited and it won't last. We can't run on emotion. Failure is often the end result of good intentions. All right, let's check back on Peter. Go to uh, verse 56 of chapter 26. Now we're just getting the tail end here. But when all this was done, Scripture be, might be fulfilled, and the disciples forsook him and fled. Doesn't say almost all, it says all. Now go to verse 69. Now this is again the tail end of this story, but he says, Peter sat without the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out, she followed him, and she saw him and said, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied the oath, I do not know him. And later it happens again, And he began to curse and swear in verse 74. I know not this man. I know now we may not deny him like that, 
but we deny him by not saying anything about him. We deny him by not standing for the word of God, what Christ has done for us. Peter turned and ran. No, no, not me. I'm not one of those religious nuts. Now, this same Peter, though, turn to Acts chapter 2. And what's significantly different? Well, let's see. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hear, hearken to my words. And then he goes on, talks about, uh, we can probably read the whole thing. Okay, let's go... Uh, Hmm. point is that it says at some point I don't want to read all these verses but he says being filled with the Holy Ghost he stood up oh go to verse 40 Oh, 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. 3,000 people get saved as he evangelizes here, as he's full of the Holy Ghost, which came to them at Pentecost. Allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. What a difference in Peter's life. Go to uh, Acts 4 and look at verse 1. He says, And they spake unto the people, the priest, captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on him and put him in the hole the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000 believed. Now verse 5, when it came to pass on the morrow, the rulers and elders and scribes, Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, Alexander, as many as were kindred, High priests were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done in the impotent man and by the means made whole, be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
Even by him doth this man stand here before you. Pretty amazing. And if you go just a, we'll do a couple more verses in Acts. Go to Acts 5 and go to the end. I think it's, it's not the very end. 38. Now this is Gamaliel. Gamaliel? Well, take your pick. He was a uh, great teacher, though, of the Jews. He knew a lot about the Bible. In 38, he says, Now I say unto you, refrain from these men. Let them alone. For if this counsel, or if this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you are found even in the fight against God. The word of God is sharp and powerful, able to piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And the thoughts and intents of the heart can't fight against it. That's why the keys are in witnessing to be filled with the spirit. And use the word of God. Now, turn. Look in uh, chapter 6. Look at verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and a few others, and set before him the apostles, and when they had prayed, laid their hands on him, and the number of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And Stephen, in verse 8, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now look at verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. They were unable to. Because it's God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, chapter 7, we know he gives a long witness, and they kill him. But look at verse, or excuse me, chapter 8, and look at verse 5. Now we see Philip, another one who was chosen. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles he did. Now go to verse 26. Now, Calling here the angel of the Lord says to Philip, Go and do this. If it was Jonah, he'd go the other way. But here, Philip, he arose and he went, and he met this Ethiopian man. And the Ethiopian man says, He's he's sitting and he's reading the Bible, and he asks him. Understandest what thou readest in verse 30. And the guy says, how can I? I need a guide. And Philip 
gives them the gospel. And they went their way, the end of the story, except that Philip did what the Lord had laid on his heart. He was a servant with a ministry. Now we're ready. I'm going to skip these verses. We're ready the moment we're saved to go to heaven. Nothing else has to happen to us. There's no process by which we're made better during our lifetime. Why are we left on the earth? Wants to use us. Again, I'm going to repeat a verse, but Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We are testimonies of God's grace, witnesses of God's grace. And we all know certain verses, like I said earlier, if, if not, write them down. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We know that all men are sinners. We know that God loves us anyway, and he sent his son to provide salvation. We obtain salvation through faith in Christ. That's the gospel. Wouldn't it be great if we could say, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. You know, it's not our job to save souls. As I said earlier, and I know that is not what D.L. Moody meant, My point, though, is it's our job to preach the gospel, and that's what D.L. Moody meant. Who have you talked to today? Who have you talked to this week? Who have you talked to this month? We can clearly see that this is our ministry on this earth. We need to keep our eyes on Christ, because divine viewpoint, looking at our ministry and as a servant, the way God sees us. It's God's work, and it awaits us. Matthew 9 says to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth laborers to the harvest. And wouldn't it be great to say as Paul I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now God calls us to share the truths that we know, the truths that we hold to be dear with those around us, with our friends, our family, our co-workers. Now that's our ministry, and really that's our course. That's our race, the race that is set before us. Beginning of a new day. Couldn't get this to work right. You have been given this day to use as you will. You can waste it or use it for good. What you do today is important because you are exchanging a day of your life for it.
When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. In its place is something that you have left behind. Let it be something good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We just pray that we would see the truths that you have for us. That we would not be reticent to give the gospel. But that we'd be ready. You bring the opportunities, and we understand that completely. And you provide the power, and, and you have given us the word of God, the message of salvation. Pray that we would just be ready and willing. That we can see that as you know, fulfilling our servitude to you in response for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.